When we introduced the idea of the talk, I wanted us to get into the talk that I wish that maybe I would have received, and maybe if you have the same situation where maybe your parents didn't know what to tell you, <laughs> the talk that you wish that maybe you would have received. So let's just call this the sacred bombshell edition, and I'll break down for you a little bit later what that means. So I have four questions for you. All right, so when we feel a little bit uneasy or weird about something, where do we tend to feel it? Yeah, right here, right? In the stomach area. And the same like when we have a deep belly laugh with our friends and we feel that joy, that pleasure, that passion, where do we feel that? Belly laugh, kind of gave it away there, innit? <laughs> and when we feel something intuitively, what do we say? We say, I, I just know it in my gut. Now when we feel exquisite, orgasmic pleasure, where do we feel that? A little bit lower, but in the same area, <laughs> right? That area is known as our sacral area, our sacral chakra in the Hindu tradition and in other ancient traditions. And what sacral means, basically, is it's the area that holds our reproductive organs. And the word sacral comes from sacred. Now, the sacral chakra area is said to house our feelings of creativity, and emotions, and not surprisingly, pleasure. And so, as we go on, before we go on any further in this talk, I would love for us all to participate just in a, a little uh, exercise. If we could just do a, a brief guided sacral chakra meditation. I want us all to have a joint orgasm, if you will. <laughs> so just close your eyes and take a deep breath and just feel your body Feel that sacral area and just see it filling up with just warm orange light. See that filling up with warm, pleasurable light. And now repeat after me. I love, honor, and cherish myself. I treat my body with divine respect. I allow myself to feel my feelings. That's a big one. I am powerful. And pleasure is a part of my life. Let's take that one again. Pleasure is a part of my life. That's an important one, very important one. And so now that everyone's feeling iry, like we say in the, in the Caribbean, now we're all calm, we're all focused. So this is a good time for a because of Newton's law of motion that an object at rest tends to stay at rest and an object in motion tends to stay in motion and any time a human being steps into their pleasure, their passion, their joy, their purpose, the very Teutonic plates shift in appreciation. And for my fellow party people over here, the reason we started with a woo is because of that is the international sound of people having fun. Very important. <laughs> so, I'm old enough, some of you also, I see in the room, are age-appropriate, some of you are a little bit younger, that I remember in the 80s when I was growing up, there was a show called Punky Brewster. Anyone else remember Punky Brewster? Yeah! 
shows, a few shows where it showed us oddballs that, you know, that it was okay. And she would shout, punky power! And it was like the first representation that I had of, you know, what would evolve later with the Spice Girls, you know, which was, you know, prepackaged girl power, but also that same voice of being that, wow, okay, it's okay to feel powerful. It's okay to feel magical. It's okay to step into yourself. Now, a little bit later, for my uh, third wave feminist in here, you may remember that there was, a, there was a, in the 90s, a singer named Patra, and she was a Caribbean singer. Patra is short for Cleopatra, and she talked about punani power, <laughs> which I took as the same kind of punky power <laughs> that they were shouting about in the 80s, but I just didn't know it, and it was the next evolution of that which for me then became what I came to learn as yoni power. And today we're talking about sacred masculine, sacred feminine, or sacred whoever you want to be, our sacral power. Again, that where we saw that, where we felt that warm pleasure. Pleasure is a measure, as my sister said earlier. So that brings us to the paradox of declining female happiness. A few years ago, there was a study done that showed that American women, with all of the advances and the marvelous things that have happened, for us who are supposedly a post-feminist generation, American women are, with the markers that they test by, more unhappy than they were 40 years ago. They showed that American women were actually more unhappy now, <laughs> today, in this day and age, than we were, you know, in the 60s when uh, uber-feminist Betty Friedan, she, did, she called it at the time the problem that has no name. Now, because people like to, you know, put a binary situation on everything and be like, you know, these women think this and these women think that or these whoever think this and these whoever think that, you know, they say, the people who are, you know, writing about this study and editorializing about this study, that the feminists, whoever these nameless, faceless <laughs> feminists are, I don't know, no one called me, but, you know, that the feminists are saying, well, yes, women are unhappy because we haven't gone as far as we want to go, and that the anti-feminists are saying, well, women are unhappy because now they have all of the issues that men have. <laughs> I would suspect that the truth is, as truth usually is, a little bit more complicated than that. In my practice as a life coach, I see a lot of women who have what I like to call a dry life crisis. We talk about, you know, we recognize there's a midlife crisis, you know, that elder people tend to have, you know, a, a bit of a crisis, the quarter life crisis. But a dry life crisis is not quite a depression, but it's just where you just feel a malaise where you're just going through the motions of your life and maybe things don't make you, bring you enough joy as they used to. And so I've termed this to be a dry life crisis because what I found out in speaking to thousands of women around the country and in my own practice is that there is a dearth of pleasure. And so when, for example, a plant is dry, what do you do? 
you water it, you feed it, you nourish it, you make it wet and juicy, right? <laughs> and that's what pleasure does. That's what passion does. That's what feeling good about who you are does. Now, it might seem on its surface that this is a frivolous thing to be talking about. You know, like, well, there are wars and there's hunger and whatever it is, and, you know, and, and how frivolous to be talking about pleasure and passion and purpose and personal power. But this is not frivolous at all, not in any small way that we know that when people feel more passionate and more juiced up about who they are and about their lives, you know, that maybe then they are less likely to develop disordered eating. Maybe they are then more likely to ask for what they feel that they deserve in terms of, you know, getting paid appropriately for the work that they do. And so this is not a small thing to think about, that your pleasure, your passion, how you feel about yourself and the ways that you approach your own joy, this is critical stuff, man. <laughs> Let me tell you how I came to start thinking about this, that I'm a fourth-generation empowerment specialist. My great-grandmother uh, in Guyana, was a, Guyana, South America, was a, a midwife and a women's fertility healer. My grandparents on both sides are farmers, and my family ran a bed and breakfast where people came in off the railroad line to get uh, advice and a hot meal. My father is a journalist and a minister, and my mom was a teacher. And so I feel like the work that I do is the culmination of all of the work that they did. That my great-grandmother was a midwife who helped women to give birth to their babies. And I say that I help women to give birth to themselves. And still with all of that, because I'm human and we're all human, that I've had my own dry life crises. You know, like at the end of my first marriage and after getting fired from hosting a TV show. But an interesting thing happened when, I remember when my marriage ended and I went to see my doctor and he said, you know, well, how are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm really sad. And, you know, he started to write a prescription. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, I'm sad because I should be sad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my marriage ended. And so, you know, <laughs> we, rather than trying to prescribe a way, you know, and, and there's clinical depression that is a real thing where people need to be treated for it. But when we are situa situationally having feelings as a reaction to real things happening in our lives, we need to have permission to feel our feelings. Almost our entire culture is built around trying to numb and avoid the way that we feel. And so here's the answer. I define a sacred bombshell as a woman who loves, honors, and cherishes herself in mind, body, and spirit, because I work primarily with women. But because, you know, we are here in this sacral power audience, that we all here in this audience are sacred bombshells, right? <laughs> now here's how this, I started to do this work specifically. I write an advice column, um, I've written advice columns for sites from Match.com to a number of different places. My column right now is on Essence. Um, and what I realized is that when I was writing a column for Girl.com, for teenage girls, and the column that I had on S for Essence magazine, the teenage girls and their mothers, their mothers were asking the same questions. <laughs> so 30, 40, 50 years later had the same concerns. Why doesn't he like me? Why doesn't my body look and behave like hers? What if I'm into XYZ and I don't want to do what they want me to do? 
and all of those kinds of things because we feel like we don't have a right to our pleasure, our purpose, our passion, our personal power. Now, my inheritance with this work, I told you about my great-grandmother, you know, who raised my mom. There's my, my dad when he was a student at Columbia and my mom when she came here as the first person in my family born in America. I guess you could call me, they would call me an anchor baby. Although, strangely, we just celebrated Columbus Day, so I'm not quite sure <laughs> how that works. But my mom, even with that incredible inheritance of a grandmother who worked with women's wombs way back when, my grandmother was born in 1880 and helped women with their fertility issues, my mom never told me about my period. She never gave my sister and I the talk because her Roman Catholic heritage taught her that there was something foul and dirty and taboo about talking about our bodies and about pleasure and about, you know, whatever things happen down there, as she calls it. <laughs> and so the only reason she even, she even figured out that I had my period is because I stuffed a bunch of toilet tissue in my pants and didn't know what to do, and she saw toilet tissue sticking out of my pants, and she was like, what, is, what happened? <laughs> did, you, did, you, you know, did, you, did you get your friend? And I was like, <laughs> and so, as I said, I want to just give us briefly, before I go, the talk that I wish that I would have received. And so, I'm going to right now just put myself in the, the position of, you know, your mothers, your fathers, and here is the talk that for my unborn sons and daughters that I wish that I would have been given. Your body is freaking miraculous. You are a miracle. And whatever you want to do with your beautiful body is up to you. You are perfect in your imperfections. You may look different. You may sound different. You may talk different. You may move different. But it's your body. Love it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the mirror. Enjoy the reflection that you see before you. Rather than standing in front of the mirrors, we do each day trying to figure out ways to tear ourselves apart and figure out what is broken and what is wrong with us. Figure out what you love about yourself. See things to appreciate about yourself. That is how you tap into your pleasure, your passion, and your joy. That is how you tap in. That inner bully, that little voice inside that tells you that you're inadequate, when that love that you have for yourself is so conditional, rather than, you know, we want other people to give us unconditional love, but our, our love for ourselves is based on whether we fit into our genes or not, ignore that voice. That voice is an asshole. The only true voice <laughs> is the voice that knows that you are incredible. Your sexiness, revel in it, it's yours. As my mentor, the late Jackie Collins told me, when I met her, she said, oh my God, you're so beautiful, you should use that. And I was like, because <laughs> I was raised by incredible feminists and womanists who told me that, you know, I should just ignore all of this and it was just about this, but we're holistic beings, inside and out, from head to toe. And so enjoy your sexuality, flirt, flirt, flirt. Flirting is just enjoying yourself in the presence of another. <laughs> Your heart chakra, let it be open. Let yourself be loving. Don't be like the people who hurt you, even if those people are us. Step into your greatness. Don't see anything through victim-colored glasses, okay? Because you have all of the power. If you believe that something or someone was, is the reason why you're not as powerful as you want to be, then only something or someone can help you to get there. And you 
are the center. You have the right to your pleasure, your passion, and your joy. And so love, honor, and cherish yourself. And so I'm going to just close with what I like to call a brief self-marriage. Because <laughs> it's okay, we think, in our society to think of loving, honoring, and cherish our, cherishing ourselves when it comes to a significant other. But it's about us loving, honoring, and cherishing ourselves, men or women or anything in between, anyone in between, first, and we come together as whole beings. And so put your hand, right hand, over that heart chakra. Now, you're going to say, I do, when I ask you these questions. <laughs> so do you, take you, to love, honor, and cherish yourself in good times and bad? For richer or poorer? In sickness and in health? In fabulosity and less fabulous moments? <laughs> Repeat after me, I am enough. I am worth loving. I have more power than I ever thought possible. I have sacral power. I have sacral power. I have people power. I have people power. I have people power.